0: You know, I think when you start straight out of university, you're so unsure about your skills and your knowledge that when people criticise you, you take it as a general thing, as an experience. So I, I never really concentrated too much on whether they were like being sexually discriminative or not. And I think it's only later on in life that you actually start picking up on those
1: nuances. The biggest problem I see is that young people want things to come easy. You're going to have to start and work your way up.
2: I speak to Nolene Pauls and Lindy Nakedi from Women in Mining South Africa. Nolene Pauls has been working in the mining industry for over 20 years, principally in exploration in Africa and South America. She has also been involved in extensive multi-commodity mineral rights management. She has worked in government, industry and consulting. She joined Reflex Africa last year as their principal geoscientist for the EA region. Along with a career in geology, her interest lies in the mentorship and development of young women entering the profession, enabling and equipping them to navigate this world professionally and personally. She is the past chairperson of Women in Mining South Africa. Lindiwe Nakeri is the director of Kubani Exploration with an entrepreneurial drive and passion for optimizing business. She is the co-founding member of a highly successful and influential recruitment agency, The People Shop. She holds a Bachelor of Arts degree, majoring in Industrial Psychology from the University of Witwatersrand and completed the NMP from Wits Business School, focused on business management. Lindy is the current chairperson for Women in Mining, South Africa.
1: Have you ever gone through change in your personal life or at work and thought to yourself, there must be a better way to do this? Welcome to Change, the podcast that explores change that works and the people who make it happen. And now from Solid Gold Studios, here's your host Pietro Pisani.
2: Today I welcome Nolene and Lindy in the studio. Welcome to Solid Gold Studios, Nolene and Lindy.
0: Thank you, Pietro. Thanks, Pietro.
2: First question: How long have you been working in the mining industry?
0: I've been working in the mining industry since 1992, and started in Bapuritswana, which just shows how long it has been. And during that time, I've worked for government, obviously Botswana in South Africa, as well as mining houses and consulting.
1: And you, Lindy? I've been working in the industry now since 2010, officially. And I started off just trying to assist my geologist husband, who was always focused on the technical work and not the business. And so I came in to assist with the running of the business.
2: And what drew you to the mining industry? Why did you choose to work in this particular
1: industry? My background is recruitment. And so I was doing a lot of work with people trying to place them in the right opportunities, matching them with the right type of clients. And at the end of the day, the one thing that I struggled with is the fact that with recruitment, you are never sure if that fit is actually going to be the one. And people always make decisions last minute to say, no, I'm not so sure about moving anymore. We're dealing with management type profiles and senior management, so they don't move easily. So that was just a very difficult industry to be in to try and make sure that people stay in the jobs that you put them in. And so I needed something different, and I was looking for a challenge. And this was something that was in the house already, watching my husband doing that, and I was interested, and I thought, let me try.
2: Okay, and Naline, why did you decide to study geology and go into the mining industry?
0: It was actually an accident. I wanted to study archaeology but realized that there wasn't very much work in South Africa at that point. And I decided to do the next best thing. So I enjoyed being outside. I enjoyed geography. And, yeah, I enjoyed beer. So, perfect fit for a geologist. (laughs) I guess so. I mean, in my case, it was a science
2: teacher who said to me that it would be a good idea to study, I did quite well in geography and mathematics. So, he said to me, have you ever considered studying something like geophysics? I mean, in grade 11, what do you know about geology and geophysics? Nothing. So, it sounded to me as if it might be something fun. It's outdoors. It's not office bound until later in life. And I applied for a whole bunch of bursaries and was lucky enough to get one. But yeah, it wasn't something I wanted to do all my life. It was a suggestion by a teacher. So if you think about when you started in the industry, when you actually went into the mining industry, what was it like then at the beginning of your career? And were there many other women around when you actually joined this industry?
0: No, pretty much all the way through my career because I've always worked in really small companies or small divisions of big companies, they've mostly been myself and one female colleague, which was great because in university I was the only girl. So no, not really. And you form a bond with that person that you have for the rest of your life.
1: Yeah. Not so.
2: And when you started, were there many other women doing what
1: you were doing? No, actually. And because you're running a company, most of the time you're on your own. You keep to yourself and there wasn't a lot of places where you can go and actually socialize with anybody who's in drilling and exchange ideas and find out how do you do this and how can I do this better. So yeah, on my own with my husband. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And what was the sort of
2: attitude of your male colleagues and the guys that you had to work with when they realized that they were working with a female? Are their attitudes different towards you, do you think, than to
0: uh, men? You know, I think when you start straight out of university you're so unsure about your skills and your knowledge that when people criticize you you take it as a general thing as an experience so I never really concentrated too much on whether they were like being sexually discriminative or not and I think it's only later on in life that you actually start picking up on those nuances you know my colleagues and my bosses were very supportive and incredibly protective and looking back now maybe a little bit patronising. I mean, for example, one of my bosses, he would never let myself and my colleague work late because we weren't allowed to drive home in the dark. I think then when I first started, I just never realized that there was a difference. Mm -hmm.
1: I don't think for me it was ever a problem that I was the only woman going to a meeting and I'm I'm the only woman. I think my only problem was that because I didn't study Anything mining or geology, then my own insecurities were the ones that put me on a back foot. And that's when I used to feel as if I need to extra prepare for a meeting or whatever so that everybody can realize that no, I know why I'm here and I understand why I'm here. So my own insecurities sort of put me on the back foot and I never felt like anybody was discriminating against me. But I suppose also over time, when you start seeing how people communicate with you or react to you, you realize that it's not just the fact that maybe I'm not from the mining industry, but for the fact that I'm a woman. And I think one other thing that I I started noticing is that they'd know I'm the owner of the business, but they'd still want to talk to my geologist husband. Even though he tells them, look, I'm not the one who makes the decision when it comes to this business. This is the person you should actually be talking to. And you still have people who say, oh, okay, no, great, I hear that. Can we have a meeting? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that was annoying.
0: <laughs> just to build on your thought about being overprepared, mm. that's definitely something that I found women do a lot, not just for meetings. Mm. You'll find that women are generally better qualified than their male colleagues. Mm. And we carry on learning. And maybe that like makes the guys feel a little bit insecure. Mm. Yeah, it might do. I mean, Mm.
2: my attitude has always been I can do whatever a man can do. Mm. And I've never let that stop me from trying to go for whatever I want to go for. Mm. But sometimes there's this barrier and you can't understand why you're not going forward. Yeah. And you just keep working harder, try and prove yourself even more. I mean, especially a, as a geologist, as mm. you know, you just try and put those hours in and also volunteer for field work and do whatever you can do to show that you can do exactly what anybody else can do. And I think that's a, a, really a trait of women is that we'll just put in extra work yeah. to show that we are just as worthy as everybody else. But I think that's changing. And, and on the, the topic of change, what do you think has changed since you started out in this industry? And do you think there's more of an acceptance of women in this very male
0: dominated industry? Um, okay, I'm going to I'm yeah, going to start think, with the second part of your question. There definitely is a better acceptance, I think throughout the entire industry, right from your colleagues to the bosses and HR. Although I think that there still would be an issue of where two people have applied for the same job, the guy would generally get it. And that's my own perception. I'm not saying that that's what it is, but that is my perception. Obviously, there's been a lot of changes. You know, when us first joined the industry, women weren't allowed to work underground, whereas, of course, now we can. And it's better. I think it's a still a hard industry. And if you look at research, especially women in mining research, women do feel that they're still not accepted. They still feel that it's an old boys club because the guys go to the pub on a Friday afternoon or they play golf. And that's where the decisions are made. And women mm-hmm. feel excluded from that. But then, of course, we have to look at the fact that those are women's perceptions Mm. and it's not necessarily what's happening. Mm. That's right.
1: What do you think, Lindy? I think that there's an acceptance. There are people who are actually trying to say, look, I'm here. I'm willing to have any woman on my team when you look into different organizations. When I look at the Business arena, though, I find that a lot of women will come to me at WIMSA events and say, I'm trying to break into the industry. I've got a certain service that I'm offering, but people think that I can't or when I go and knock on any door, they don't open it because they feel I don't know the industry well enough or I'm just not What they're looking for and I think there we still need a lot of change in terms of I'm a service provider I don't have to be a man I don't have to be a woman I just have to offer the service and I think that's where I'm coming from all the time to say never mind the fact that I'm a woman let's put a cardboard box and cover my face cover my body let's talk business and get it out the way I don't think it should matter whether I'm a woman or a man If there's a deliverable, if there's an output that needs to be there, let me see if I can do that. And if I can't do that, then fine, move on to the next person. But not because they're a woman or because they're a man.
2: Mm, That's true. In South Africa, diversity is a huge issue or Mm. it's something that actually is starting to be legislated now. Mm. And diversity targets are part of our new mining charter, which hasn't been accepted yet. There's been a new proposal for our mining charter. I read an article in the Mining Weekly where they say that we've made big strides already, that we've gone from a minority representation to over 13% representation, which in their eyes is a huge achievement. But if you look at the targets for the mining charter, it's at least probably 25% of, they say, black females in managements and it becomes more as you go down lower through the ranks. And I would imagine that that matches on the other side with then also other colours also having 25% representation. So it's a huge change for us to have to go from 13% to probably 50% female representation. What do you think it will take for us to achieve these sorts
1: of targets? What do we need to change? Immediately in my head, what comes is a mindset change, because I think with everything, there's a perception that everybody will have. So when people are being told, look, this is the quota, you must meet that, it doesn't talk to the perception or the mindset of a person, you know, because now all they have to do is tick a box and it won't make the kind of difference it's supposed to make. Everybody complains about, but then don't we hire on merit? Don't we do this on merit? And For a mindset to say, look, it's not just about the merit now because we're trying to level the playing fields. What I need to do is to say, here's a level playing field. I need to up this. You know, if my pointer for men is at this level and for women it's here, it means I need to be getting it higher. Therefore, I am going to look at the qualified. I'm going to look at the experienced and I'm going to start working towards making that happen. And in my mind, it's not that I'm being forced to do it, but I see that I need to make a change and therefore I'm going to drive it, which is why I always say that if it's not driven from the leadership down, then it's a problem because you're not going to see the meaningful change that you actually want to see. Definitely. So what do you think we need to do now,
0: Well, I think practically we have to look at the fact that there just aren't enough women Mm -hmm. in the mining industry to fill the quotas. And in order to do that, we need to attract more women to the mining industry. That doesn't mean that we're going to fill the quotas in the next 10 years because the quotas are specifically for women in management. However, that is a good starting point. And just to build on Lindy's comment about merit, I always say to women, especially to the young girls, it's great to have legislation and to have that opportunity to be somebody who is looked at because of a quota system because our legislation is opening people's eyes to the fact that it's an issue and that we need to bring more women into the mining industry. But when you've got that position or you've gone for that interview, then you prove how good you are.
2: Yes, definitely. Mm. So even though there are quotas, it should Mm. still be merit-based as well. You can actually still do the job as well. Mm. If we look at it from a sort of structured change management approach, One of the things that you do right at the beginning of a change project is you set what it's going to look like in the end. Mm. So what will it look like when we have the representation that we're looking for? And imagine what that looks like and paint that picture because otherwise we're never going to know whether we've arrived at that point or not. And then from there we work backwards. What are the things that we need to do to arrive at that vision in the end? So... Whose sponsorship do we need? I mean, do we, we need the HR people at the various mining companies' eyes to go open and say, there's a business case for having women in the mining industry? And we need the people who are doing the hiring to go, yes, we have to have a more diverse profile. If we don't get those guys on board and supporting this cause of getting more Mm -hmm. women into the mining industry, it's not going to happen either. And then from there on, it's all about then we have to find the correct women and build their skills and coach them so that they can also – be a part of this very challenging industry. But as much as we say it's challenging for women, the mining industry is challenging for everybody. It's not just challenging for women, it's for anybody. If you've been down to a a mining face at the bottom of an underground mine, it's not a nice place to be working. Anybody who's gonna work there is gonna suffer. Mm -hmm. Everybody needs to understand that it's the same for men and women. And then the other thing that I'd like to add is then the whole coaching piece. So we have to coach women to be able to stand up for themselves, have their voices heard, and be part of that. And mm. it needs to be a designed and facilitated process, I guess. So that's the structured sort of change management approach. We have to think about what it's going to look like. Mm. Cool, we're going to start the rapid-fire round. Uh, Lindy, what is in your pocket right now except for your phone?
1: Tissue. What book would you recommend to anyone to read? There's a Judy Lamini book that I was just reading. I forgot the name now.
2: And what's it about? It's about women in leadership, basically. Yeah. Who is the person you look up to most in
1: life? My pastor, funny enough. Well, he's a bishop now, but he's pastoring a church in Soweto. His leadership style is what I, I like about him. You know, he's the most humble person I know, but he's grown to become something so huge and just from being focused and committed to what he's doing and passionate about what he does, he's successful, yeah.
2: What is the most useful thing under 500 Rand that you've bought in the last year? Potato peeler. (laughs) Okay. Um, What do you spend a silly amount of money on? Shoes. Uh, That's a good answer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What app do you use that nobody else knows about and should be using?
1: Duolingo to learn a new language. Yeah. Uh, how many kids do you have? Three. Okay. Mm. Um, what are your kids going to be when they grow up? The one is going to be a crazy mad scientist. The other one is going to be a fairy.
2: <laughs> and the other
1: one, I think she's
2: going to be a soccer player. Okay, yeah. good. Which country is next on your list to visit? Uh, South America, Chile. Okay. Oh,
1: yeah.
2: Tea or coffee?
1: Tea. Any day. Okay. Yeah.
2: Dogs or cats?
1: None of the above.
2: Mm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thick base or thin base?
1: Thin Okay, great
2: Nolene, what is in your pocket right now except for your phone?
0: Absolutely nothing, I hate pockets
2: What book would you recommend to anyone to read?
0: James is The Drifters
2: Who is the person you look up to the most in life?
0: Probably my mother, actually, but never tell her I said that (laughs) What's the most useful thing you bought in the last year? I bought a memory foam pillow for travelling yesterday what do you
2: spend a silly amount of money on? Travel. Well, that fits in nicely with the next question, which is, which country is next on your list to visit?
0: One of the Scandinavian countries you see the northern arts.
2: Mm. What app do you use that nobody else knows about and should be using? Bitmoji. It's one of the, f- the best, funniest apps on earth. I love it. Okay. I've never even heard of it, so I'll go and try it out. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Thick base or thin base? Oh, Thin. Definitely thin. Okay, great. Cool. And that's the end of our rapid fire round. Let's get back to our questions. Before the break, we were talking about the changes that are required for us to get from where we currently are in terms of representation in the mining industry to where we would like to be. Not necessarily what the mining charts are called for, but what we think we we should be, which is at least 50%. So let's unpack what may be required. Where do we start? I mean, perhaps people need to first realize their own inherent gender biases um, and stereotypes before we can even move forward with this sort of campaign to get more women
0: in. So where do we start? Hmm. I think that's a very good place to start. Obviously, biases are not always obvious. And even within yourself, you... Are biased like we are biased because we assume that men aren't welcoming us into the mining industry but maybe that is just an inherent bias and it's not really the fact so Pietra yeah very good place to start I think
1: I agree but I think another place where I would be looking at you know which is what WIMSA you know is doing is going to the young people at schools you know to give them that interest or to make them aware of what's happening But going even further down, I'm thinking about my own children. How do I socialize them currently? What do they know about what's meant to be for girls or what's meant to be for boys? We don't do that anymore. We say, follow what you're passionate about, be yourself, and do what comes naturally to you. And from there, we're giving them an opportunity to do whatever it is that they choose to do whenever they do it. And... That also gives them the opportunity to look at someone else and say they're doing what they're passionate about. So I think socializing, what are we doing going forward? You know, I know that's starting right at the bottom because now we're trying to fill certain gaps already in the market. But where we could definitely start is how we socialize and how we teach these young people who are still going to be coming into these industries whether in schools or varsities. What do we teach even when we're in varsities? Yeah.
2: So you do have daughters, mm. uh, Lindia, Would you encourage them to work in the mining industry?
1: Look, I'd encourage them to work in any industry that they choose to work in. You know, as long as you have a passion for something, as long as you know you're going to work hard at something, You know, because I think the biggest problem I see is that young people want things to come easy whatever it is, (laughs) it has to just come easy. I had a chat with a young girl who was going to graduate, had a lovely bursary, and she just wanted to be in the office. And I say, but even if you're coming out with a degree, you're going to have to start and work your way up, whether you're going to go underground, whether you're going to, whatever it is that you're required to do to learn the business as a whole, You need to do it. You need to be willing to do it. And that's hard for anybody who's thinking, no, but I just want to wear my stilettos and (laughs) look great. But it's hard work. And that's what we should be willing to teach them to say, look, you're going to do great things one day, but be groomed into being able to do the hard work. And it's okay to do hard work.
2: Yeah, I mean, one of the pieces of advice that I give to any young graduates is to get your stripes, You Mm. know, build your credibility. Mm. If you've studied a technical discipline, get out there and do a couple of years in that technical discipline. Mm. Even if you've got your eyes on a higher position, Mm. management position or board membership or whatever you're looking to achieve eventually, you have to earn your way in the mining industry. You have to get out there, do the field work, go and work in the plant, be the plant manager, do that sort of work to show that you have got credibility.
0: Carry the core
1: boxes. That's right. Yeah. I think they, you know, people respect you so much more when they see your work ethic. I think I noticed even on site, if you're willing to say, look, I'm going to move this with you from here to there if I need to, there's that level of respect. So whether you're a man, whether you're a woman, you know, if you show that you're willing to work, then anybody else would be willing to respect you for that good work ethic.
2: So there have been many articles out there saying that there's a definite business case to have many or at least 50% women on boards in the industry. So what do you think is the business case? Does it make business sense to have more women in the mining industry?
0: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. If you look at the fact that within the technical side, 50% of people coming out of university are women, then if you only have males on your team, you're pretty much using half of the pool of available Mm -hmm. talent. Women bring different things to the team. We are kinder or better at people skills. And again, this is a generalisation, but we care more. And quite often, women don't let things go. They will fight to the end to get their point or their thought across. So by bringing the two genders into a team, you're just expanding and increasing your talent pool. Mm. And Piet you're right, a lot of articles have been written. Wim UK did an article about basically to discuss the business case, and they looked at the top 500 mining companies. And all of those who had a more diverse
1: team actually made more money. Now, I think we definitely bring diverse set of skills. But I also think it comes because each and every one of us is so different. We are unique. Even though I will speak for women, but I think each and every one of us as individuals, man or woman, you come with a specific personality, a uniqueness that could add value on any team. I was thinking about this and my daughter and my son, you know, I think they are growing up so differently from how I grew up. We were kinder, yes. Yes. As girls, we were brought up to be nicer and more understanding. I look at them and I see how they can fight for things together. And it's not that I'm saying she shouldn't be kind or anything like that, but I'm letting her be and be as selfish as she wants to be whenever she wants to be selfish. So I don't know. I think maybe the girls of the future might not necessarily have the same kind of qualities or traits that we were brought up with and they might change. Actually quite an interesting story, Lindy, about a female driller
0: who was so tough that she was actually fired. So I think a big
2: part of us having to make this transformation from where we currently are to where we want to get to is the training, coaching, mentoring part of it. And you guys are from Women in Mining, South Africa, mm. and it's a fantastic platform for this type of work to happen where mm. we actually pair people up with mentees and mentors, mm. go together. So what role do these types of practices play?
0: I think it's mm. very important to have an intercompany mentoring program because within your company, your boss or your manager could very well be your mentor. So you can't really tell him that he's being a pain or that you disagree <laughs> with what he's saying. Mm. And by no means are we saying within Wimser that women should have women mentors, but it brings a whole different dynamic into a woman's career progression when she has somebody else who's been there, who's done that, mm. and who can guide her in making the changes that she needs to do to get to the top position.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm, that's right. Training, coaching, mentoring. Uh, so, yes, it is important. I want to agree with Nolene on that, that in my language, Sotho, they say, so which is, if I directly translate it, is that the road is asked of those who have been there before. So it's important to actually have someone who has walked the path before and has seen and done what somebody else is looking at and saying, look, I like Nolene's profile and I wish I could know how she made it and how she did it. And so for her to open up and be willing to mentor and guide. And I think that's where WIMSA, you know, we're trying to find all those women with all that experience, that wealth of experience to open up to those who are still coming up and who want to learn and who want to become exactly what they are. So we need that. And it's not often that you find people who are willing to open up. You do find a very strange phenomenon where people want to keep their knowledge and keep their skills to themselves, which is what we're trying to encourage against now, to say, look, let's teach each other. Yeah.
0: I do think that's something we see in the mining industry within women a lot, and the fact that they've done the hard work, they've got to the position where they are, and they're protecting their own positions. Yeah. And we call it the PH syndrome, pull-her-down syndrome, which is exactly, as Lindy said, what we're trying to discourage. Mm.
2: Mm. Yeah, So let's r- rather stand together and mm. help each other out and not block our own female right. colleagues from mm. achieving what we've also achieved. Yeah. So help each other out and listen. Because the thing is, you said earlier that a lot of the times there's this old boys club sort of mentality that goes around which might also just be a perception but we have to create a space where women can network and where they can feel comfortable mm. and where we can have
0: open discussion around what it takes to be a woman in the mining industry. And that's exactly why WMS started. Mm. We started in 2010 with three or four women who realized that men actually know how to network mm. and women really struggle with it. So it started as a networking platform for mm. professional women.
1: Mm. And I think we also realize now as well that as much as we now have this networking platform, we need to be able to open up and say men are welcome because we have that they still are in positions where they make the decisions and you still want to be able to market your skills to this person, you know, and and, and network with them as well so that it opens up the opportunities for you. I wonder if that's not just something that we should be
0: looking at in South Africa and maybe it's a sign of the fact that we're in South Africa and we Mm. are dealing with this really hard mining industry because the other WIM groups, like in Canada, Australia Mm. and the UK, Mm. they have about 50% men that come to the events.
1: True.
2: So what I'd like to do now is think about when we've got all of the female representation in place that we want, what does that world look like? Perfect.
0: There is no (laughs) organisation like WIMSA because we would have achieved what we set out to do which is to be welcomed in an industry where we can offer as much as the men can Mm. and we don't have to have female support
1: groups. Yes, true. Where you don't have to have a woman still saying, I'm the first woman to have a drilling company or I'm the only woman. It's not something to even celebrate because there are so many talented women out there. There are so many women with great skill, great personalities who can literally take companies to seriously great heights so we shouldn't be happy about having these little trophies to say I am the only woman to and I think it's ridiculous I think there are so many women out there who can do great things
2: yeah I mean in, in my mind mm-hmm. at the moment there's a lot of programs out there which go you know this one is for women and it is how to control your emotions at work I saw that the other day as an adverts <laughs> And I thought to myself, why is this only relevant to yes. women? You know, it should be right. it should be men should also know how to control their emotions right. at work. So it it's, should be open to everybody. Mm. So I'm hoping, or the future for me looks like a place where it's equal. Mm. We have courses where everybody learns how to mm-hmm. control their emotions at work. Right. Where we have maternity and paternity leave on an equal scale. That, that it's not just women that get given all four months, mm. but there's mm-hmm. also something equal for men as well. And if there's Crash facilities at work, it's not only for the females, but also for the males. So it is, because I think there's also a bias towards the other side Mm. as well. Mm. So for me, the future looks, we all have the same opportunities to be caregivers, to take time Mm. off to look after children, and we have the same opportunities.
1: Right, I agree with that. Mm. (laughs) I think there was a lady who came to speak at one of the Women in Mining conferences, Monica Ospina, she's from Canada. And she was doing a study on the fact that If you're going to be saying, I want to empower women, you must think about what the opposite reaction is to that. You know, you have to be able to think, how can I make both these two men and women still move in the same direction, having similar opportunities and being level. The playing fields must be level for both. So if I'm going to be working, my husband needs to be able to know that we are still going to be working together. You're not going to become this executive who now doesn't have time for your husband because then that's, where we're going to have problems where maybe divorce rates will go even higher. <laughs> but if we are able to say caregiving is for both of us, it's okay. And nobody says, Oh, look at that man. What is it? Man nanny <laughs> or whatever. Nanny. You know, nanny. Yeah. So, socialization, I think it's the one thing that we need to start thinking about changing more and more so that the workplace can become an easier place for both men and women.
0: And I do think that the younger generation are doing it much better. Mm. You know, for them, it's all about work-life balance rather than Mm. working all the time. They really want to Mm. have that balance. And it's not a gender thing. I think it's a generational thing. True.
2: Great. So both of you are on Women in Mining, South Africa, on the committee, Lillian being a past chair and Lindy being the current chair. So tell me a little bit more about WIMSA and the role that you will play in this
0: transformative
2: journey. Sure.
0: Okay. So WIMSA was created as a networking platform, but we really quickly realized that we could offer so much more. Wherever we went, we were asked about where can we find role models So we then created the patron initiative where we approached high-ranking women in the mining industry who are now our patrons. And basically, it's just, as Lindy had said already, saying
1: they've done it, so we can do it too. Agreed. I think also we then started moving to include entrepreneurs because we realized that there are women who are in the mining industry who are not necessarily working for a certain company, but working for themselves and needed the support as well to network and find opportunities through the very women that are within these organizations. I mean, that's how I came to WIMSA because I own a company and I needed to start meeting up with other women who are in the industry where I can look for opportunities. So it's sort of also started becoming more about saying, let's open up Opportunities. Let's open up on information where we partnered with SAIMM for the entrepreneurship forum to say, what information can we give you to best empower you as you are navigating through the business arena? So, WIMSA, it's like an information hub and network. And now it needs to grow and become maybe the place where all the information, especially the research part, information is important in this day and age. So, we have to be that.
0: And also, obviously, attracting women to the mining industry. So we deal quite a lot with students, and we try to get their mentors to help them make that transition from being a student to working in the environment, which you and I both know, Pietro, going from varsity into the environment was quite hard. And you didn't Mm. even have that. You just jumped right in, Lindy. Tell
2: me, where can people find out more about women in mining South Africa?
0: So you can come to our website. (laughs) Wimsa.org.za. All our information is on there. Please ring me or Lindy, send us mails, and we'll get back to you.
1: Yeah. Or they can actually find us even on Facebook. That's Link a very active page, yeah, and Twitter. That's an active page where you'll know exactly which events are happening and when.
0: And, yeah, come to our events. We have loads of events in Joburg. Mm-hmm. We are working on having events in Rustenburg and Whitbank again. We have had in the past and in the Northern Cape. Yes. You'll find us all over South Africa. Yeah. If you had to give one piece of advice
2: to a graduate who's gonna go into the mining industry very soon, what would be that piece of advice that you would give mm. for that person?
0: My advice would be work hard, don't be scared, stand your ground
1: and find a mentor. Be willing to do the tough, you know, work and Be yourself. Do what you need to do. Prove yourself. Show that you're in it for what it is that you want. Show that you're passionate about the industry or the work that you're going to be doing. Well, thank you
2: very much, ladies, for joining me in the studio today. It's been
0: great talking to you. Thanks, Pietro, for having us. (laughs) Thank you very much, Pietro. (laughs) Okay.
2: OnChange is recorded at Solid Gold Studios. For more information about the podcast and to listen to previous episodes, go to solidgoldstudios.co.za forward slash OnChange. Here you will also find show notes for this episode and more information about my guests. Until next time, goodbye.